Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Mr. Burmese. Well, hello, Ms. Mans. Oh, yes, I scratch you indeed. I don't know what Mr. We could do the old school Star Trek where everyone is Mr. Or just Mans. Mans. His last name. Well, then I sound like a fratty. Hey, Mans. What up, Mans? (laughs) Hey, Burmese. Hey, Burmese. (laughs) And hello, you out there. Whatever your last name is. Hello, dear listener. (laughs) Dear listener. (laughs) And welcome to a brand new thing, the season, uh, uh, episode, uh, a collection of uh, this wonderful podcast that we call Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Uh, My name is Aki Burmese, and... And I'm Stevie Manns. And uh, we're just so excited... I, I'm if you trying to get tell. it all in order. Yeah, We're so am I excited? excited? No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm cool as the other side of the pillow. All right. Uh... <laughs> We're 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 and we're changing up the format slightly, uh, just so, so things are a little more clear. So I just at the top, I just want to let you know today's star date is star date one two one 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 nine point six, and we'll be discussing season four, episode one of Star Trek Discovery. Season four, I say unto thee, episode one of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Kobayashi Maru. Uh, Pew, 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 pew. But before we get into that, uh, I just want to let you know that Set Phasers, we're a podcast and basically we're an after show where we discuss weekly, uh, as timely as possible, the episodes of Star Trek that have just come out. In this instance, we're beginning season four of Star Trek Discovery and we'll be going at it week to week, coming out every Monday, discussing the episode and things that we loved about it. And also we have, I think... A full backlog of of Discovery seasons one, two, and three. Yeah, Picard season one, Lower Decks. If you want to recap stuff, we have all of it for like the last year and a half. I think if you're trapped on a desert island with excellent Wi-Fi, you can listen to hours of our coverage of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, But yes, we're called Set Phasers. We also have a Patreon, Stevie. We do have a Patreon. It's uh, patreoncom forward slash Set Phasers. You can. Join our Patreon for early access to audio and video episodes, where normally the free episodes are only out Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. But if you join our Patreon, you can get them ahead of time as they are live streamed. That is exclusive access. And of course, we also do Netflix watch parties for our our famous and lovely patrons. Famous, I don't know why I said famous. (laughs) Famous to us. And you're just dancing around in front of me, that's why. And well, this is what I think I'll do for Patreon. So people know if you get the <laughs> Patreon level where you can watch it live, whenever Stevie does this rundown, I'll dance the whole time. Oh, yeah. And it's it's great dancing, people. You don't want to miss out on that. And, of course, uh, we also do shout-outs for our patrons, too. So that is patreon.com forward slash setphasers if you want to become an ensign, a lieutenant, or a commander. 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 
Ensign Lieutenant or Commander. Indeed. Yes, that dancing really took it out of me. I don't know how long we're going to keep that picture. Uh, <clears throat> well, I guess we got to get into it. I guess it's time to run yeah. down this episode. Season four, episode one, Star Trek Discovery, Kobayashi Maru. Let's run it down. Let's run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Okay, listen. I have a tendency to get caught in the weeds, but we're just going to run down this episode because this season looks like it's going to start. It's going somewhere crazy. We begin with Captain Michael Burnham. Captain Michael Burnham. Captain Michael Burnham and Book. They're on the uh, planet, a planet of uh, what I can only describe as bioluminescent butterflies or moths. And they're doing some outreach for the Federation with the Al Shane, who uh, in my notes I describe as an all-white moffy people. <laughs> they were sort of a cross between Andorians and butterflies to me. Yes, kind of where like, I... uh, they're like a pale Andorian butterfly people. Yeah, uh, and basically they're offering them the dilithium because you remember in the last season they found that whole planet full of dilithium, and once they took care of the reasons for the burn, they're able to mine all this dilithium. So now there's an abundance of it, and they're trying to bring the Federation back, and so they're offering dilithium with quote no strings attached. Uh, despite their best efforts, there is a vast misunderstanding between the Alshanes and Michael and Book. And eventually, uh, well, I think the main crux of where things go wrong is uh, Book's carnivorous pet cat, Grudge. Uh, apparently, the Alshane are not carnivores. They find it offensive, and then they find out that Grudge is a, quote, queen, which is something that book says quite a bit in which uh, in my tinfoil hours I speculate on endlessly uh, and they say we will free the queen and so the glowing butterflies form wings on their backs and armor and like masks over their eyes and they pull weapons and they start chasing Michael and book and they're chasing through a forest and they have to jump off a cliff and they get into one thing and that thing gets destroyed and then they got to chase run by the rock and everything however uh, they're having trouble flying and with the help of her trusty crew Michael is able to figure out that because of the magnetic shift, the shift of the magnetic poles of the planet, the Alshane are having trouble navigating because I guess they're like birds or something. And in order to prevent that from happening, they have these satellites, but the satellites run on dilithium. And so they send a bunch of dots over from Discovery to refill the dilithium into the satellites. And that helps the Alshane uh, uh, basically be able to navigate, but they're still shooting at Michael and Book. But Michael and Book run off of a cliff onto Book's ship, which I still don't think we have a name for. Hmm. Uh, I just call it Sword Ship because it looks like a sword. It's a, it's a weird looking thing. It just reminds me of a slice of pizza. Slice of pizza, sure. Uh, and yeah, so they get on the pizza ship, and uh, <laughs> notably, Book leans over and pets Grudge before they take off into the atmosphere and join their crew on the discovery it's great to see the crew again uh lieutenant reese is, is has the con he's in the chair tilly is science officer uh adira and stamets down in engineering are helping figure out this whole uh, uh everything's going great i see so aside from this like crazy early opening thing with the people and the misunderstanding and a lot of anger and and uh, uh you know uh, the diplomacy is hard everything's going great for the federation that's how i would describe the first half of the episode and it made me very very nervous uh they fly back and a number of things happen basically book is going to go to his home planet of quajan because his nephew's going through 
Uh, something that I wrote down. It's called the EQ Zen Ceremony. And I guess it's some sort of rite of passage into adulthood. And Michael's like, I'll join you there in a bit. But she has to do this speech back at uh, Federation headquarters because they're after 125 years, they're reopening Starfleet Academy. I smell a spinoff. <laughs> and they, uh, she has to give a speech. Cadet but Academy also, or something. Could, exactly. Cadet Academy 3221 or whatever it is. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> that's 3190 something. Mm -hmm. uh, don't quote me on that. And then the, but she has to give the speech and then like introduce the new president of the Federation. And apparently Michael's upset because the president's kind of a politician. He doesn't want to get dragged into politics, whatever. Other than that slight misgiving, everything is like, everyone is smiling a lot, like a ton. Like everyone's smiley, smiley, smiley. Like, ah, oh, it's great to see you, books. Great to see you, Mike. See you on Quajon. Have a look at your, your nephew's Izu Ken. Uh, Izu Zen ceremony, et cetera, et cetera. Even when Mike is giving the, the, the speech the cadets it's full of hope and joy and love and 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 all the wonderful it's like the end of a season of star trek discovery and that's why i got this creeping feeling that things were going terribly 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 wrong anyway michael introduces the new president uh president laura rillick who's a total po politician but gives a sort of nice speech and introduces the new archer space dock behind her and we get a archer. sweeping archer and we get the music from uh <laughs> not the the theme song from star, star trek uh enterprise but rather the sort of the orchestral theme that played towards the end of the episodes which was a lovely theme uh, it's a bit of a schmaltzy moment, but uh, you know, I, I, I got my eyes weren't dry, and um, you love a bit of orchestral music, don't you? I do love a bit of orchestral music. I can't help myself. I just love it. And Michael gets called away by Admiral Vance. Apparently, there's a deep space repair station uh, that's in trouble, and uh, they've sent a message that got cut off. And there's no time to send any ships at warp, even though Quajian is close to that planet they wouldn't be able to get there in time so Disco's going to go immediately using the spore drive and President Rillac wants to go and she decides she is going to go over Michael's protests so they leave the station they jump there's a little friction between Michael and the president they jump to the station and the station is basically wheeling through space like an absurd like crazy like all, on, on three axes and uh, there's some sort of extreme spatial lensing that happened at the time that their, their thrusters failed uh, Tilly and Adira, who is Adira, who is a little nervous because they've just made Ensign and wants to prove that they deserve to be there. Uh, they beam over to help the crew of that space station get their act together. Uh, they get there and there's a guy named Commander Nollis and he is very much on edge and kind of immediately starts talking down to them, even though they're Starfleet, like, yo, dude, but whatever. Uh, they're like, okay, fine. Tilly's like, yeah, 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 fine. We'll defuse the situation. You can hold on to the programmable matter and we'll do some other stuff. And they're going to try to get this station back uh, under control. At the, at, as they get the, the station out of, like, its crazy spin, uh, frozen methane hail starts sweeping in and crashing into things. And so Discovery, which has matched orbit with the station, has to expand its shield. And now there's, like, this frozen methane rain which is a weird thing because that wouldn't really be that close to a planet so it must have come from somewhere far away uh commander Nalus is now extremely on edge they don't have time to sort of like fix the station and move away so now they have to abandon the station it's a repair mission uh but the they can't get to the escape pod 
that like would take them there and back. So they have to use the one that's on the level that's sort of only supposed to go. But Adira is able to reprogram it so it can go and come back and then go and come back. But it's being blocked by some sort of wreckage. And so Michael decides to go over over the protests of President Rillick now. Protest over protest over protest. And goes down there in a ship. But the ship gets hit by some methane. A truck drives past my window very loudly. That's the sound of methane hitting a ship. Michael has to continue in a spacesuit, manage to get things cleared. They have to go over in two teams. The first team goes, and who's left behind is Tilly, Adira, and Commander Nallis. Uh, uh, they, the first crew goes over, comes back. Now, as they're doing the second trip, which is going to take five minutes, they find out on the bridge of Discovery that it's going to be four minutes before the shields fail, and then there's going to be open vacuum and just this crazy hail of methane frozen methane chunks that they can do nothing about. President Relic is like, we should go. We should cut our losses. You can't save everyone. Michael's like, we are going to save everyone. We are going to wait. I don't care what it takes. They do manage to get into the ship. They fly over to Discovery and jump away. But just as some debris crashes into the landing bay, boom, crash, smash, boom. Uh, turns out uh, Tilly and Adira, fine. Nalus, Not kaput. so much. Yeah, well, uh, several others also died. Apparently, there were some huge injuries. Uh, Michael is getting gets sort of a dressing down from the president later, who's like, I was not here just in a political capacity. I was trying to decide who would be the captain of our new Voyager ship, which is going to be super dope. Michael's like, with all due respect, president, I wouldn't have let Discovery because it's my home, uh, but I don't see how my command style is bad. They have a long discussion about the Kobayashi Maru, which is a whole thing if you watch enough Star Trek. If you watch Star you know what the Kobayashi Maru is. You know the Kobayashi Maru test. You know that only one person has ever passed it, and it's only because they cheated, and that person was James Tiberius Kirk. Uh, so yeah, that is what happens there. We'll come back to that in a second. Meanwhile, book is on, the, on Quajan, which is near the closest planet to uh, the Deep Space Repair Beta 6. He does this touching... Uh, a ceremony with his nephew at what they call the World Root, which I guess is just a huge tree that runs through their space druid planet. They put blood and sap from the tree into a thing that they wear on their neck, which apparently Book doesn't have. Mm, all time. And uh, then they're like, go run off, play. And, you know, there's all, again, so many smiles and happy looks that I was like, I, I thought at this point, uh, a space dragon jumps down and eats all of them. It just looked too happy. <laughs> uh, but what happens is like birds fly away and Book gets up in his ship to see what's happening and he tells uh, his his uh, brother and his nephew to find cover and then he gets hit by something. He sees like a weird uh, like planetoid shape in the sky and then he gets hit and knocked out and his ship goes on autopilot to Discovery and when he wakes up he's on Discovery and he's like we gotta get to Quajon. Something was happening there. And they they search for Quajan on their long range sensors as sensors on their long range sensors, and they can find nothing. And when they look a few uh, light years further, they find a destroyed planet. And Book there looks upon the destruction of the planet that once was Quajan, and he says, "They're all gone." Well, that is the end of season four, episode one. Star Trek Discovery, the Kobayashi Maru. How exciting. You want to chat? Should we, uh, I don't know, should we chat about this episode or something? I don't know, do we have a drop for that? Let's do, let's do. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, let's do. 
oh, what uh, what wonderful British voiceover actor did you get to uh, record that drop, Stevie? I don't know. It's, it was it was quite a quite a performance, wasn't it? Whoever they are, very talented. Very. And they brought they brought their own extras to do some claps. Huh? That's interesting. Uh, okay, let's talk about the episode. Any significant moments that you enjoyed? I have like four bullet points. Do you? Okay. Well, one of the things that I had was not necessarily like a moment, but it was part of the set. Um, the really? AR wall. Yes. Wow. That's... Say what? Say what? That really elevates things, doesn't it? Because I remember looking it, at that scene and I hadn't twigged that it was an AR wall. And I was like, oh, this looks really good. How did they do this? And then um, subsequently I watched Ready Room with Will, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Uh, Will Wheaton. And they did a little video package of, you know, explaining the uh, AR wall. And I think Jason Zimmerman Zimmerman is the video effects guy or videographer or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Emmy nominated or Emmy winning, who knows. Um, And he had come up with this idea that apparently Discovery now shares with Strange New Worlds. So we can expect to see this wonderful effect on Strange New Worlds next year. I wanted to say wonderful and bonkers at the same time. And I just said wonkers. Wonkers. That's wonkers. Yes. There was a lot of lovely things in this episode. It, I kept, I, I just, I was so delightfully um, entertained by the seeing them, my friends again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my friends. My friend. That's so uh, cute. Dr. Colbert and Adira. And even there was a, a bit of Gray, which was great. Oh, but- uh, I didn't know, because I know Gray is, is incorporeal at this point. Um but uh, you really got to see everyone. You got to see them really in their element. Um, one thing I did note was that there's this weird uncertainty going on with Tilly. Like, is it a lack of self-confidence? Yeah. Or does she just not know if she wants to remain in the the the, the, the Starfleet anymore? Or what the deal is? She got this promotion to lieutenant. And maybe she thinks it was too soon. But Michael has this utmost confidence in Tilly. Mm-hmm. You know. And she did well uh, made, on the away mission. She did fantastic. She just had that one moment where they were like, what are you going to do next? And she was like, I don't know, which was a little scary. But it seeing that interaction reminded me of just the first time Michael and Tilly are together in, in Tilly's room. room. Yeah. Yeah. And Tilly's like, you know, <laughs> something about snoring and that's my bed or something. Her mother tongue. Yeah. yeah. It's just Tilly was so wonderful. And now she's like a little bit more steady. She's sort of like the. She has like a mixture between, I would describe her as like, if you're doing a TNG uh, comparison, mm-hmm. she's like a mixture of, in in relationship to uh, Michael, she's like a mixture of, uh, of Anna Troy and like Crusher. Do you know what I mean? Her relationship, she's like Michael's sounding board, the person that Michael can go and talk to. Uh, and and the, in the capacity that, John Luke could only ever like talk to his about his fears and worries with Deanna Troy, and then he can only really confide personally in. And uh, hmm. uh, I see what you're saying there, Doctor Crusher. Yeah. Anyway, I just like that she's got this. She's like so grounded for Michael, who seems grounded, but even as the president points out, does have the. I think her one. This is my other note: the Achilles heel of Michael. She's compelled to save everyone. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to lose anybody. Uh, and that has been that's like a that is is can be great, but can also be her weakness. And I wrote uh, Michael's Achilles heel. This ain't your Kirk's Federation, because 
200 years prior to this in the Federation. That's all Kirk does. He's like, well, dude, no, I got to leave that. He jumps that thing. The Klingons kill his son. He jumps, he's fighting fist punch, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. But now this this president's like, we need you to be a little cool. We need you to stay on the ship, essentially. Yeah, Michael went off to do her spacewalk. And the president was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Really? Which is interesting because I didn't know whose side to be on in that instance. Mm-hmm. It was like, if you're really going to save these people... You do want the person with the most time in one of those machines, which Michael was. Yeah. Uh, I think it betrays that she has a huge amount of confidence in her crew that they can handle the ship while she's off doing something particular. But at the same time, it is, you know, the captain leaving the ship to do something incredibly dangerous. And she nearly didn't make it back. She nearly didn't make Mm. it. I agree with the president's assessment of Michael, but I don't know that it's incorrect. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. That is fair. Um, I just felt with Tilly, like there was, you know, we were meant to see a maturity. We were meant to see like a little graduation, not only with her rank, but with her as a person. And I think where she and Michael have been besties, I think she's looked up to Michael and she's relied on Michael. But I think now it's becoming a little more even. Right. Which it always surreptitiously has been. Yeah. Because I really feel like Michael because she was raised by Vulcans <laughs> is very good at seeming as if she's very much in control and not phased by situations. But, you know, I mean, she's been through what Michael has been through in relative a year and a half's time <laughs> from like, well, maybe it's a little bit longer. She was in jail for a while, but from like losing Giorgio and the original Shenju and going to jail and then coming back and then meeting what's his tush and him being super evil and going to the mirror universe and seeing Giorgio again. At the same time, she was dating that guy who turned out to be like a clandestine Klingon warrior. They were in love, but then he tried to, he killed Culber and tried to ruin them. I mean, she went through all that. Then she met her mother. Then she had to travel uh, almost a, a thousand years into the future and was by herself for a year. I mean, that stretch, I, I, it, the trauma she has gone through personally, let alone as a Starfleet officer, is absurd. So I think that speaks that well fair. to how much yep. of a rock Tilly and Saru have been for mm-hmm. her as she's had to deal with all those things. And Georgia, who's now gone. Yeah. One thing I would like to chat about is we didn't really mention Saru. Yes. Oh, sorry. Did I skip my Saru chapter? I did. Maybe you mentioned, did you? No, I'm not I sure. Think I missed but it. we d- we may have glazed over yeah. it like a like a donut. Um, I don't know. No, it was good. I was going to say like a crispy cream, <laughs> but we did sort of glaze over it. Um, but it was I. I mean, one the AR wall of that room. Oh yeah. I mean, they're making really good use out of it. Yeah, they're using the heck out of it. They really. I mean, they have to. Right. Bloody budget on it. it's huge. Um, but it looked fantastic, and you can see. What were the other creatures? I forgot the I name of the, cre- the black creatures. Up, but I, I was like, I just noted that they both were. Their council is both yeah. creatures together, and their room is underwater. Yeah, so that they can be together, and you know, I don't know, say rule together, but they can you know make decisions and whatever together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like they are black and weird looking like you just don't want to trust them but i thought they did a good job of making them less ominous now they're like floating in their windows and they look scary i mean sharks are scary but sharks are nice i mean they're not nice but you know what i'm saying like things that we are terrified of that look scary to us are not necessarily bad i mean 
I I All think right. they were meant to be scary. Probably here. All right, let me get super nerdy. <clears throat> uh, they're just as the the Kelpians are uh, biologically predetermined to sense the coming of death and to be prey. Uh, I think these the the other creatures. Are you looking it up? Are you googling it? No, I'm not googling oh, okay. it. So say we have, we have to Google it? I mean, I could. Yeah, I mean, if we got a cue for it. The baul. Woo! Yes, the baul. Wow, you're very you cute thing. And looks it up as well. Right. <laughs> right. uh, Ask his finger first. Yeah, Ba'ul, they do seem, they still seem creepy, and they have little clouds of darkness floating around their heads. But they, I, my only question is, like, what do they eat, since they're not eating kelpians anymore? Just, like, rabbits and goats and stuff? Well, I mean, they'd have to go on land to get them, so I suspect not. Fish? But then how did they get the kelp? I don't know. But the kelpians had to su- su- surrender themselves to the Ba'ul. That was the whole thing. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, well, that was a yes. nice little side. I thought that was nice, and and since I didn't mention it, I'll say I thought it was nice that Sukal uh, mm. went to to Saru and said, "Listen, I have other friends now, and people always look at me and think of the burn and be worried, but there are less of them now than there were before." And just as Saru gave that speech about what is your home, the planet, or the stars, or the galaxy, are we together, whatever, you know, Sukal is like, you know, you can be here, your heart can be here at home in Kaminar, and you can go and join your friends because it seems like uh, there's a little wanderlust in Saru's eyes as he looks at the skies above Kaminar. Mm. So do you, I mean, does Michael have an official number one yet? Ooh. Because I wonder if Saru's going to come back and be number one. Book does say before he leaves, you know, this whole thing that Michael's doing this piece, he says, I'm sorry that Saru couldn't be here to see it. And Michael's obviously mm. still pretty, pretty sad Bummed. about it. I and wonder, I, do you, mm. is it Reese? Yes. Reese takes the con twice in this episode. That's true. I wonder though, Sukal releasing Saru and allowing him to go back to the ship. That's so that's my thing. And I think also part of that is like the actor who plays Sukal is fantastically um, popular and I don't think he will sign on to do the series. I think he'll probably come back to do bits and pieces. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that they're kind of surrendering Sukal off. And then Book, because his, his home planet's just disappeared. I think Book is going to go off in search of the, the his people Quijani, and just to, to, called. yeah the Quajon Quajon I don't know maybe it's just plural um, to potentially call it like start a colony. That's my theory. Well, I tin time. time. I love that theory. Um, mm-hmm. I think that well, here's the thing. I am a big, big, big dumb nerd and I really one of the coolest things I've ever seen is this con- is the concept of of, uh, of gravitational lensing which is like uh, what they talk about that happened before the ship disappeared and stuff uh, that there was like this lensing of the stars and basically that is what happens when the gravity is so immense usually around like a black hole or something like that or like a, a big giant star uh, the gravity is so intense that it causes the light to bend as if it was being reflect, refracted through a lens, through a glass. And so you get this weird lens effect, making things seem closer or further away than they are. So my big hope in my bullet point number three was uh, that this new threat, travel to Quajan, maybe they're all right. 
Maybe they got transported somewhere else and we saw a destroyed planet that's not Quijon. That's true. Someone else could have come to the rescue. Uh, well, we just it's a mystery. I mean, we assume they're dead because that's the scary thing. But I'm hoping that, yes, there are some Quijons still alive, especially little nephew boy whose name I forgot to write down. He's very cute. Um, no, no. <laughs> Oops. The only other thing I wanted to mention was the Culber Stamets moment where they were so worried about Adira. Yeah, they were because when everyone came kid. back they were yeah 100%. i know but it was just really yeah. cute that it was like this is our kid oh yeah like has it was just that like this is our kid and oh no. yeah when St- when stamets goes you know. is dear all right uh, and everyone else are they okay was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yes i love there was a moment stamets had when michael was like stamets we you know you need to sort this out and he was like i have this would take three hours and he just had this like it, it almost it was very scotty yes. to me. It was almost comedic. Yeah, yeah. Michael says, "How soon can we get more power?" And he's like, uh, four hours at least." And Michael's like, "We don't have that kind of time." He's like, "What? What? Oh yeah, he, what do you, you want, want me to do?" To and do? then he's, uh, he basically nothing. says, "I'm giving her all she got, Captain." When he's like, "You got twenty percent of power left in the EPS grid, and she's and that's all we got." It was a total Montgomery Scott moment. Yeah, that was really great. Absolutely. I enjoyed that. Um, and then my final thing was just that I love that this episode was called the Kobayashi Maru. Because as we know, that is the test mm. that they give people who are who are signing up to go into the command path when they reach, I guess, the like, mm-hmm. commander or captaincy level. Uh, it's a test that you cannot pass. You cannot save everyone. You can't save the crew of your ship or the crew that you're trying to save. Because like Klingon word, warbirds of prey show up and stuff and one is cloaked. And it's supposed to teach you how to accept defeat. Now, in the history of Star Trek, usually they bring it up to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. just, there's no win situations and you have to get used to it. But every time Kirk has faced something that has been applied to be akin to the Kobayashi Maru effect, he has won the day by doggedly sticking it out. And I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what I was wondering with the whole thing with the president and Michael was do. Is it a, like a parents just don't understand kind of thing? Like the president, the reason you're not a captain is because you think in this cold logic of there are acceptable losses. Sometimes you can't win. You don't try every available thing and you're willing to risk your crew to save people that are important to the crew. Or uh, are they right? And is a captain supposed to be a more abject and out of remove? But every captain that we've loved from Kirk mm. to Picard to to Cisco to Janeway to Archa uh, has mm-hmm. risked everything to save a vital member of the crew, no matter whether they were an ensign or like a cadet or something like that. Uh, and that's part of, I think, the DNA of being a captain. But we shall see. Indeed we shall. Um, shall we move on to quotable moments? Let's do... Quotable moments. You know, our drops are starting to trend much, much more British, (laughs) just in general. Obviously, I don't know who did our quick (laughs) chat thing, but they were obviously British. And quotable moments is very gosh. Quotable moments. I've started. Did I say I've started watching Downton? Careful, I might start. Oh no, you started watching Downton? Oh, I love it. What's a weekend? Um. What's oh, yes, indeed. Is there What's a Downton? I mean, listen, we're talking about Star Trek, but obviously we have other interests. Is there a Downton movie coming out soon? Is that true? Yes. And actually, I met somebody who has a Downton podcast called Downton Blabby. Ugh. 
Shout out to Sandy Max. Love it. Yep. No, fantastic. Really enjoyed it. But um, I know it's a great title. Anyway, and uh, I, my wife and I have been watching this, and she gets quite a kick out of it because I love doing the, the Countess's uh, accent. And uh, what's it? Lord Grantham came down wearing a, a tuxedo, the new fashion of tuxedo. And the Countess looks at him and says, Whatever next? Pajamas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, like, thankfully, because uh, if I did this any like in the UK with anyone else, they would just roll their eyes at me. Yeah. But my wife finds it quite. Amazing. I assume your wife has not seen Downton Abbey before. This is new for both of you. This is new for both of us. Yes. Oh, excellent! I'm mm. jealous. It's great fun. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I may need to do a rewatch because I don't think I watched the last <gasps> season in this new movie. Is anyway. Yeah, we digress. This is a set phasers podcast about Star Trek. This is supposed to go. Do we need a section of the show that is just a digression? Here's a digression based on something we sort of talked about. Now, quotable moments. Uh, well, I have a couple. There's not like a ton in this episode that I really moved me, but uh, the ones I really loved were in the first, the pre-credits sequence. Yeah. There's a lot of great one-liners were. in that. Um, uh, I the the back and forth where the misunderstand uh, you know they talk about grudge and she's a pet and I love her and I feed her treats and then the Alshane ask is she grateful and book says no no not in any way and uh, the Alshane do you expect us to be have you come to make us pets I thought it was, was almost a lower decks opening very lower decksy yeah. yes yeah it was shenanigans mm -hmm. it was total shenanigans but you know it ended <laughs> it was total shenanigans it ended nothing like and lower decks. Yeah, you will take us to your ship. We will free the queen. Is like something that would yes, come that's right very out true. Decks. It's a Mike McMahon <laughs> moment, indeed. Mm -hmm. Mike McMahon. Do you have another one? Uh, I have one more for sure. I love when Book is about to leave, and he tells Michael she's like upset that the president's going to be a politician. He says she's doing what politicians do: don't punch them in the head. Yeah, I like that. I had a couple. I think there was Saru had quite a, a nice little speech. He had some real wisdomous oh, moments yeah. there. I think he mm -hmm. talked about Wisdomous. celebrating our interconnectedness. Um, and I just thought, oh, Saru is going to be the one with the wisdom and the quotes and the speeches. The new president of the Federation. Mm -hmm. maybe. Very possibly. The other one I loved, um, and I can see this popping up elsewhere, was Squiddled. Squiddled was great. Why did I not write Squiddled. that down? I don't know. Destroyed beyond repair. Yeah. Is, is, is its yes. definition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Squiddled. I'm like, oh, we're going to, we're, I think we're going to use Squiddled. I think we are going to use Squiddled. Squiddled. <laughs> and uh, the only other one was oh oh should be good to go which seemed to amuse everybody on yes the bridge and i was like uh okay that sounds a bit funny but anyway oh oh should be good to you go. know these guys they're, they're nerds. nerds they like they do poems yeah. for fun at at lunch you know they're just That's super true. nerds well there we are that is all i had for quotable moments anything else uh, I just love when Michael is running with Book and uh, in the first scene and they're first running away and they're like, and there's a cliff. And Michael says, why is there yes. a cliff? Uh, it was another great, very lower Dexy style moment, but it fit very well. In really did. Um, that's all I've got. So I guess it's <gasps> time for next time. Next time. Next time on Set Phasers. Yes, next time on Set Phasers, we will be discussing season four, episode two of Star Trek Discovery, which according to Wikipedia will be called, quote, Anomaly. 
like there's quotations in the title. Oh, I just knocked my microphone over. I'm a little too excited. Uh, it will be called Quote Anomaly. We'll be discussing that uh, next Monday. So thank you very much for joining us, those of you who are in our Patreon and watching live. And thank you for those of you who are listening to us as a downloaded podcast. If you enjoyed the program, you can go back and catch old episodes uh, uh, and find our new podcast wherever you get podcasts from. Uh, every Monday, please subscribe if you can. Yeah, and go and check out our Patreon. We are patreon.com forward slash set phasers to join our watch parties, get exclusive early access to our video and audio episodes, and more. We've got official Star, Star Trek merchandise. We've got official set phasers merch, some of which Aki <laughs> is currently wearing and dancing in just now. Uh, which you can only see if you are a patron. Oops. It says highly illogical. Yes, my wife makes our merch. Hmm. Bless her cotton socks. She's the best. Um, so anyway. What's next? Pajamas? P- pajamas? Uh, we don't do pajamas yet. We could if there's a if there's a, a desire for pajamas. Listen, hey man, I'm, always, I'm about that pajama life. Give the people what they want. That's what I say. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, oh, did you mention the... The set phase, the podcast. Did you mention the podcast? <laughs> Did I mention the podcast? Uh, and if you want to support us in our continuing mission to discover what else Star Trek has in store for us, uh, in this case, Discovery, uh, we uh, you can patronize us. We'd be delighted uh, by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. As we said at the top of the show, there's various levels you can join at and very cool things you can do. And we would very much appreciate you joining us on this join voyage into the unknown. Join our crew. Permission to come aboard. Permission granted. Thank you, Zap. Yep. Yep. Well, until next time, I'm Stevie Mans. And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Mm-hmm.